Blog Talk Radio. Between the Lines, where each week we talk with authors and other publishing industry professionals. Joshua Graham and I are your hosts today, and we'd like to take a moment to invite you to connect with us online on our website at www.dialoguebtl.com. Those of you in our chat room listening live to today's broadcast, don't forget to ask questions. Each week we offer up a few choice chat room questions to our guests. And stay tuned, because in just a few short moments, We'll have New York Times bestselling author J.A. Jantz, who writes the J.P. Beaumont and Allie Reynolds mystery series. I'm sure this morning's talk will be an enlightening one for sure. So uh, how are you doing today, Joshua? Susan, it's great to uh, be with you again on our sh- on our show. This has just been a wonderful time that we've had. We've been doing this show now for, oh, almost two years or more than two years and it's just been a privilege to have illustrious guests like our guest today, J.A. Jantz, who we'll speak to in just a few minutes. But um, I'm actually doing very well. I'm super busy because, as you know, in just about, um, I, I didn't look at the exact number of days, but I'm, I'm sure it's less, than, it's less than two weeks from now, uh, my book, Dark Room, is going to be released by uh, Simon & Schuster Howard Books. And it's really exciting because I've been working a lot with the publicity team and the marketing team, uh, really involved a lot in, in, in that process. And it, while it's fun, it's just a lot of work. So I've been writing a lot of guest blogs, making connections with different uh, radio show hosts. And uh, in the month of May, there will be several radio show appearances I'll, I'll be on, so I'll be sure to put that on our website. Um, but th- that's just been a lot of fun. I've just got a lot of uh, things I'm getting ready for in that regard. Um, and I wanted to let my fans know out there that uh, my short novella, The Accidental Hero- Healer, The Accidental Healer, is for the first time free on Amazon for two days. So if you're interested in getting a Kindle ebook free that also has some uh, sample chapters for my uh, book, Beyond Justice, go ahead, go to Amazon and look up Joshua Graham's The Accidental Healer, and you can download it for free for the next two days. But how about you, Susan? How are you doing? Well, I am doing just great. I'm uh, blogging and writing quite a bit lately, and I'm working currently on my next novel, and this one is an apocalyptic thriller. So I'm excited about this one because it's actually something that I haven't written before. um, but But it's interesting, too, because it falls into the same kind of mood that I'm comfortable with. It's a little bit darker, um, but but will uh, but will be a real mover, a real pacey kind of a, a story, and so far that's what's happening with it. So, and that one is called um, the First Witness, and it's part of the Ashatos Chronicles. So, I'm really super excited about uh, that story and getting that um, finished, and 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 uh, I start shopping it out to uh, some publishers. So that's what I'm working on. Well, that is super exciting because I, I've, I've actually had a chance to look at some of the uh, early material, and based on that alone, I can't wait to to, have, to read the entire series. So, can't wait for that. But um, well, today, you. as we said before, 
we have with us, we're really honored to have with us, the New York Times best-selling author J.A. Jantz. Um, she's written about, we, we, she has about 46 books published, and most of which have hit the New York Times bestseller list. And if you're interested, you can learn more about her through her website at www.jajantz.com. So without further ado, let's welcome to Dialogue J.A. Jantz. J.A., you're on the air. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. As I said, it's an honor to have such an accomplished uh, New York Times bestselling author with us. Uh, but reading your bio, it seems like it was quite an interesting journey to becoming uh, the, uh, the author that you are today. Can you tell us a little bit about the the very early starts of of your writing career um, and how how you came to become a professional writer? Well, I always wanted to be an author. Um, from the time I was in second grade, I <clears throat> won a scholarship to the University of Arizona where I tried to enroll in the creative writing program in 1964 and was told by the professor that I was a girl and boys became writers, girls became teachers or nurses. So you could say that the creative writing door was slammed shut in my face. I didn't actually start writing I well I became a teacher. I became a librarian. Um I was married to a man who was allowed in the creative writing program that was closed to me. Mm-hmm. He told me in 1968 there's only going to be one writer in our family and I'm it. So I didn't start writing until 1982 when I was a single parent, two little kids, no child support a full-time job selling life insurance, and I wrote every morning from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock when I got the kids up to go to school and got me dressed to go do my day job. Mm-hmm. Um, when I meet people who say, tell me, someday when my life is perfect, I'm going to be a writer too, there's a part of me that says, I don't think so. Because <laughs> if I had waited around until my life was perfect before I started writing, I wouldn't have started writing until the day before yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the first, uh, I started writing in the middle of March of 1982. The first manuscript I wrote uh, never sold to anyone. The problem with that manuscript is I wasn't allowed in the creative writing program, and I didn't know there were some things I was supposed to leave out, so I put in everything. And that manuscript was 1,200 pages long, which is approximately three times too long for any murder mystery <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> Oh my with ebooks, and um, so I found an agent who told me to cut it in half. I did. She still wasn't able to sell it. Um, so the the editors who turned it in it was actually a, a very thinly fictionalized true crime book mm-hmm. based on an encounter my first husband and I had with a serial killer in Tucson in the early 70s. Um, The editors who turned it down said the stuff that was fiction was fine and the stuff that was real was unbelievable and would never happen, even though it had already happened. So my agent told me what I needed to do is write something that was totally fiction. I wrote the first uh, Beaumont book, Until Proven Guilty. It was bought by the second editor who saw it. 
Um, Based on the first manuscript, it's impossible to get published. Based on the second manuscript, it's easy. I think a lot of beginning writers, if they find an agent who can't sell their first book, they fire the agent and keep the manuscript. Mm -hmm. I fired the manuscript and kept the agent. (laughs) And all these books later, she's the only agent I've ever had. Wow. That's a, an amazing story, and um, so many things to overcome. It, 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 so, I, calculating, it seemed like over twenty, maybe twenty-six years, from uh, and before you actually uh, got to start writing. Um, I would imagine that uh, a lot of the personal struggles that you had to go through uh, probably is it. Would you say they fueled some of your the motivations of your of your characters in your oh, novels? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the uh, of of all of my books, my favorite is the first book in the Walker family series, uh, a book called Hour of the Hunter. And in that book, uh, the main character is a woman who's a teacher on an Indian reservation, but she really wants to be a writer. Like me, her husband was allowed in the creative writing program that was closed to her. Her husband is dead at the beginning of the book. And as for the crazed killer, he turns out to be a former professor of creative writing from the University of Arizona. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I get a lot of mileage out of stuff yeah. that happens to me. <laughs> That's funny. That and, is so funny. Uh, I have ahead, a piece of advice for people who have friends who are mystery brothers. Do not make us mad because we have our ways of getting even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and isn't it isn't it true the uh, the pen is mightier than the sword in these circumstances? Well, I think so. I it's been I I realize now that if I had been allowed in the class where the professor was predisposed for me to fail, I probably yeah. would have failed, and I might have lost the desire. As it was, I had this burning desire to write that no amount of uh, telling me no could <laughs> turn off. Right. Yeah. So well, we so have. I've, we have. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I've, I've come to be grateful for the fact that I wasn't allowed in that class. Mm. Yeah, you would have to. And and looking back at your career, um, quite grateful, I would assume. Now we have a a question from the chat room from um, Northern Flickr is the handle for this person. And uh, the question is, did J.A. ever revisit that first manuscript? Uh, That first manuscript was... um, I didn't revisit the manuscript. I rewrote the story and turned it into Hour of the Hunter. But I, I did not use that manuscript. That manuscript is... All all twelve hundred pages of it is with my papers in the special collections at the University of Arizona Library. Oh, but wow. the but I needed to write every single page of that manuscript, published or not, because it was my on the job training for writing. I learned how to write dialogue. I ne- learned how to write descriptive phrases. I ne- learned how to do pacing. And so no, I never rewrote that book, or, or I didn't. I didn't take that manuscript and use it to create a book. 
but I did take pieces of the story that were in my head and use those to create Hour of the Hunter. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, um, it, from from just reading the information on your website and also listening to you, and I've heard you speak before, but listening to you, there is such a teacher in you that it's lovely to hear you speak. And I was fortunate enough that you came to my hometown um, on San Juan Island a few years back and you sang um, 17, and I mouthed the words to that the whole time that you sang because I love that song too. Um, Can you tell us why you love that song so much? Well, it's... There, there are actually more reasons now than you know. When I came to San, to the San Juan Islands, mm-hmm. um, I, I was six feet tall by the time I was in seventh grade, mm-hmm. and so you could say that junior high and high school were not my best years. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. And so when I first heard Janice Ian sing that song in the seventies. I thought, well, she and I walked in the same moccasins. Mm-hmm. And then we found out that she was only four foot ten, and I thought, well, just a <laughs> moccasin thing would not work. <laughs> but, uh, but that song about feeling like you don't fit in is so, that's what being a teenager is all about. And that, that song crosses cultural divides, it crosses sexual divides. There, there isn't any person alive who didn't go through some of that misery uh, growing up in mm-hmm. in high school. So for years, I closed my presentations by doing by singing that song, by singing Janice Ann's song. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago. I agreed to speak at a writer's conference in Idaho. Mm -hmm. And then the week before I was supposed to do that, my husband had dual knee replacement surgery. Oh, no. And I tried to back out and say, you know, Bill needs me. I should stay home. And my two daughters said, Mom, you said you would go to this writer's conference. They are expecting you to be there. Go and do what you're supposed to do. So... Under protest, I went to Boise. Under protest, I gave my presentation. Under protest, (laughs) I finished my presentation by singing Janice's song. Well, what I didn't know is in the audience was someone who was a fan of mine and a fan of Janice Ann's. And so Sunday night when I got back home from Boise, I opened my mailbox and there was an email from Janice Ann saying, I heard... You sang my song. Oh, oh my God. And since then, Janice, Ian, and I have become friends. Um, oh, wow. She's, she came, I'm, I'm in Tucson right now. She came here for the Tucson Festival of Books uh, a couple of years ago, did a living room concert here in our living room. But she and I did several presentations together. And I'm tall, she's short. She's gay, I'm straight. She's a Democrat, I'm a Republican. She's uh, uh, she's Jewish, I'm a Protestant. 
So we have all of these things that make us different, but at the bottom, we are creative people who stand with one foot in art and one foot in the world of business. Mm-hmm. And we had so much fun doing those presentations together. People call them the Janice and Judy show. <laughs> but so, too so 17 meant a lot to me before, and it means even more to me now that Janice Ann is my friend. Oh, I bet. Really interesting. That was a very long answer to your question. No, sorry. no, it was a great, great answer. It was a great answer. It's really interesting to hear about this this end of um, of your of your career, this side of it, um, because we always like like to know these um, uh, interesting facets that we don't often get to hear about. And thank you, Susan, for for bringing that up, because you know we obviously a lot of us haven't uh, had the pleasure of experiencing the singing and, and, and then much less the story behind it. But I wanted to, um, J.A., talk to you a little bit about all the books you've written. I, I just did a quick survey, and I didn't have enough time to go through all your different series. There are, there are four series that I know of, no, three series, I believe. Four. Four, four okay. yeah. But I only counted, four. Uh, uh, tallied up uh, the Beaumont series, the Allie Reynolds series, and the Joanna Brady series. And your Beaumont series, since 1986, you have 21 books in that, uh, and since 2006, you have about seven books in the Allie Reynolds series. And since 1993, you have 14 books uh, in, in that series. And that's not even to mention the other uh, series, but because I didn't have time to count I've been them. working, oh, haven't I? Yes. You sure have. How do you find, how do you make and that? If, I find, I mean, the make the other thing, that you were talking a few minutes ago about getting ready to go up on a book tour. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that not only have I done all of those books, I have done book tours for all mm-hmm. of those books, and yeah. I've done a minimum of 30 signings per book. Oh, my gosh. Wow. 30 signings per book. 30 wow. signings per book. If you count that up, that's a lot of book signings. That's and wow. so I I remember when I used to think, boy, it would be, I can hardly wait to go on a book tour. now <laughs> 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 And I would say, oh, my, oh no, the book tour is coming to I ask. Please, Mr. Custer, you you have to watch out what you ask for. But book tours are being sent on a book tour and being sent out there by publicity is a lot of hard work, but it's an incredible blessing. And it's an opportunity to meet both your readers and the people in bookstores who sell books. I I can't tell you the number of times I sat in bookstores where nobody came. So authors have a choice. You can either be really pissy and say, well, nobody came to my signing and it's all the bookstores' fault, or you can say, okay, my glass is half full. I have an opportunity to sit here and talk to these people who sell books every day, whether I'm in the store or not. Let them know what's in the background of the book and find out, uh, let them know what kind of books they are and what kind of people might those those stories might appeal to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this is uh, not the first time I've heard the, that, that stated as one of the values of going on book tours, but it's great to hear the confirmation because I, I heard it from another debut author who 
uh, was sent by Tor Books, and he was a guest on our show uh, last year, Peter O'Rulian, and he told me the same thing that when he goes, when they sent him on a national book tour, he's basically his goal is to go and meet the booksellers and you know establish relationships with the booksellers who will there afterwards um, hopefully hand sell your books to to customers because now they know you and they know what kind of uh, um, readers will like your book and very often people will come in and ask the booksellers oh what what's new what would I like and and they'll do that so um well if you if you sit there being a prima donna and say well it's the bookstore's fault that nobody's here mm-hmm. then uh it's bad on you and it's bad right. for them the but, the other thing i have over the years i have kept track of the people who send me emails mm-hmm. and i have a database of over 10,000 people when a book goes on sale i send a personal email from me to those people. Mm-hmm. And if someone sends me an email, I respond to them personally. It's my job. My readers are my constituents. And they deserve a personal response from me if they sit down and write to me for good or ill. If they write to me because they hated a book, well, you know, I'm sorry they hated a book, and I will say I'm sorry. Yeah. If they send me a second email, continuing to tell me how much (laughs) (laughs) I delete that one. You know, if you're going to tell me how much you hate a book, tell me everything in the first email because I'm not going to read the second one. Right. (laughs) Good for you. You I really love your attitude about that because um, what you're what you're telling us, basically, and I I can see this as a reflection of of your own life, is that you know, see it, the glasses half full, not half empty, and you're basically saying, I'm not a victim, and I can take responsibility for my life, regardless of the circumstances, and I can do something about it rather than whine about it. And, you know, it's no wonder that you're, you're such, the, such a huge success that you already are right now. I really appreciate hearing from that as a writer myself, and, and I'm sure this applies to many other people. So, so thank you so much for that. Well, I have to say that I was feeling a little jealous sitting here hearing you talking about books that already have names. I am working on a book that is so far imaginatively named Alley Number 8. <laughs> I wish Alley Number 8 had, had a name that I could sort of cuddle up to, but oh, you not know, so that, far. That is too funny because now I can tell my husband, she was jealous of me today. <laughs> He'll say, you're insane. Of course, he does that all the time. But um, you know, I your your um, your writing is so great, and you've got such a following with your uh, with your books and your mysteries. And um, which ones do you find that? And I'm sure that a lot of this is controlled by contract. But which do you find that you are attracted to writing most? Um, the I'm always attracted to writing the one I'm not working on right now. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that always the way? Oh my gosh, you read my mind. Isn't that funny how that happens? Our minds start to work while we're working on one. We get this creative thing that comes through and says, "No, you know, this would be great in this next book." I was raised in a family with seven children. My mother cooked three hot meals a day for nine people, without benefit of a microwave or anything other than a biological dishwasher. Mm -hmm. We had to eat 
a little bit of everything, everything on our plates, and no dessert unless our plate was clean. And so I sort of take that that mantra with me when I'm writing books. I am not allowed to think about the next book mm-hmm. until I clean my plate and finish this book. Wow, what great advice. That's wonderful advice. So uh, one of the questions um, was, does J.A. teach at conferences? And that was back when you were talking about, you know, the uh, Ian, uh, Janice Ian uh, song, 17 and everything. But um, I I'm have a feeling that you aren't – do you do you teach at conferences or are you mostly the keynote speaker? I'm, I'm mostly a keynoter. I don't see myself as, as a teacher per se. I, I do participate in conferences because – um, because I know what it's like to have the creative writing door slammed in my face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, the first, the, my first two Beaumont books, Unto Proven Guilty and Injustice for All, were original paperbacks. The first nine Beaumonts, the first Joanna Brady, and the first Allie Reynolds were all original paperbacks. So when I was just starting out, I, the way I was able to go to the Pacific Northwest Writers Conference was to volunteer because I had two little kids, no money, and no child support, and so I volunteered. And my way of volunteering was to go to SeaTac, pick up um, an editor who was flying in for New York, and deliver her to, I think it was at the conference of out southeast of Tacoma. Is that Pacific Lutheran? I believe so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I picked this lady up at the airport in my car with my gas. I'm driving her from the air, her and her luggage from the airport to the conference. And she says to me, and this is a direct quote, oh, original paperbacks are where anybody who wants to get published can get published. Oh. Oh, I have no idea how she got back to the airport. <laughs> oh, good for you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm going to email you because I really want to know her name. <laughs> well, you've really had uh, a lot to overcome, as I, I stated before, but um, you, oh must, you must have such a sense of, of vindication, you know, from that first, you know, creative writing uh, professor until now. I mean, I, I, I wonder you know, what that professor might be thinking now, how, how wrong he well, was. Well, uh, he, both he and my first husband were dead before my first books were published. And so, uh, actually, with my first husband, if he if he hadn't been dead, he would have died of jealousy. He was already gone. Oh, my you goodness. You can see... Here's here's something that that I think people sometimes miss. They they think, well, it's going to be so wonderful when I'm a success, and it is wonderful to be a success. But it is even more wonderful to enjoy the journey. Yeah. I I think when there are people who uh, there was a I read a book uh, that was what was it? It was something about Egypt, Egypt, Maine. Oh. And that woman was, I don't think she's written anything else. 
that book was a huge literary success, and then she just disappeared without a trace. Well, I think I think working your way on stepping stones, you and practicing an attitude of gratitude is a lot. It, it makes more sense to me than suddenly being struck by lightning and landing in the middle of something that seems just that that is just totally beyond comprehension. And if that happens to you, you don't have any idea how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I think also you, you probably, when, when you've worked your way up to it, rather than just become an overnight success, which you know is glamorous in some ways, but if you've worked your way to it, you, you really feel a sense of um, having earned it in some ways. Ownership. Than, yeah. Exactly. And, and, and so that you, you can appreciate the struggle more. But another thing I, I find, and I can see it in, in, in you, Jay, is that when you've gone through the struggle, then you have authority to speak to those who are also going through the struggle and, and encourage them. Because, if, you know, for people born with a silver spoon in the mouth cannot with much authority say, hey, I see you're struggling, you know, financially. Trust me, I know how you feel. No, you don't. <laughs> so you've come through a lot. I... Heard I was helpful to a young woman who a year ago, a year and a half ago, two years ago actually, I met her on a book tour and she told me about the book she was writing and I told her, you need to find a publisher who believes in this book as much as you do. And she did. And the book was published and it was it's a book about a World War II father who came home and who we who has spent a lifetime suffering what we now all recognize at um as post traumatic stress disorder and the book she wrote about it was um, breaking the code and I loved that book, and I actually sent out notice about that book to all of the people in my database because I thought it was a wonderful book but she sent me an email a couple of weeks ago, and she said, well, you know, my my publicist just isn't answering my calls, and I don't think they're as excited about the books as I am, and what should I do? And I wrote back to her, and I said, hello, that book is over. The publicist did their job, and now if you want a career as a writer, now it's time for you to write your next book. Mm-hmm. And by the way, stop whining. <laughs> stop whining. There you go. And by the way, stop whining. That's brilliant. Oh, that's funny. But, well, Jay, you get to say stop whining because you know you you have the authority to say that because you you've had to oh, you've had to do um, what everybody who whines doesn't feel like doing, but instead they want to whine. So, um, yeah, if you were to tell me stop whining, I would. Yeah, I would just nod my head and move on and, and take your advice. Well, well I want to. But she did eventually. <laughs> oh, boy. Definitely. And you know what? Because we can all get there. We can all get to that point where we're whining about whatever. And so, But to hear it from you just seems so much more profound. So thank you for that today. That's, <laughs> that's great. Um, I want to say two things, um, and and then we need to get you off of the phone because I know you're very busy. But um, first of all, 
when I was signing at Seattle Mystery Bookstore in Seattle, they just love you. And and they love you for many reasons because they know you personally and and you're very good friends. But they they did tell me this um that and I think it's wonderful and such great advice for people that are starting out or people that have been in the business for years and years and years. You take your books with you and bring them into restaurants with you. And people that are passing by, if they pass by, you'll you'll sell them your books, correct? Uh, actually, that that's not true. I do not. <laughs> what were it's, they telling me? It's, it's it's bookstores' jobs to sell books. I won't pass out bookmarks, but I don't oh. sell my books. I don't I don't drive around with a a trunk load of books in in my car. No, I don't do that. So that is. <laughs> I, I will bring them up short the next time I see the Seattle Mystery Bookshop because, no, I do not take books into bookstores and sell them. But I do hand out bookmarks, and I do carry those around in my purse. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's always good to have facts before we go into a radio show, isn't it? I love <laughs> being right spot on all the time. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but if people see me in a restaurant and expect me to be able to sell them a book, they've got the wrong author. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. Well, maybe there's somebody that looks like you that's taking your books around. Oh, that could be. You know, yeah, that's that would be the smart thing to do. <laughs> Impersonate the author. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one thing that has really is, stands out about um, this talk that we're having is that you obviously have made, to coin a phrase, lemon lemonade out of lemons and um it's just a a great inspiring tone um your career is i mean from the get go so i just really enjoyed speaking with you and and hearing your take on publishing and and writing and everything about your career and how it it came to be well thank you um and that's i think there there's a lot of of hope out there. When I when I started writing, I sort of locked away locked myself away from all the people who said I could never do it and it was never going to happen. You kind of you you sort of have to give yourself permission to say, okay, the naysayers are not going to be part of my life. Mm-hmm. And um and that's just that was a choice I made and uh and it was the right choice for me. Yeah. Well, it seems like it is, and um, and it's just been wonderful to have you on our show today, and I know Joshua is thrilled to have you on our show, and we just hope that you'll come back sometime and chat with us again. We would love it. Okay. Thank you thank, so much. It's been thank fun. Thank you, J.A. So J. Take care. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Wow, she's such a pro, and, you know, um, I feel like an idiot now that I said that about the Seattle <laughs> Mystery Bookstore, but, you know, and but w- that was a great experience, too, and, and uh, just chatting with them at the bookstore. But um, Seattle Mystery Bookstore has J.A.'s books, as do all bookstores around the country and supermarkets and Costco and Walmart, and she's online, and her um her email, her uh website is www.jajance.com. 
com, and you can find out all about her there. And uh, what a wonderful show, and I, it was just wonderful to talk with her. Didn't you think, Joshua? Oh, yes, what, and, and what an illustrious career she's had. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm absolutely. really inspired by, you know, I think a lesser person would have given up a long time before she even got started, but, you know, by the time she got started, wow, look what happened after that. Um, yeah. That have written and published so many books, and be, um, you know, not just books, standalone books, but four different series of books. Uh, I, I'm just starting to write some books in a series, and I'm I'm looking at what a challenge that is. Um, but seeing her and her determination uh, and the success that she's enjoyed from that determination just really inspires me to go ahead and uh, press forward and and do that. So um, yeah, it's great. It's an inspiration, I think, not just for writers, but for anybody who is trying to achieve something in their lives. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us today on Dialogue Between the Lines. Remember, uh, you can find out more about J.A. Jantz on her website, as Susan mentioned before, www.jajantz.com. Also, a podcast of this and other equally amazing broadcasts can be found here at um, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash dialogue. We'd also like to have you come and visit us at our website, which is www.dialoguebtl.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. So to keep up with our schedule and to know uh, about the exciting episodes that we're going to have with great guests, please visit us at any of those sites. Next week, our guest is going to be the overnight blogging dynamo and author Daniel Audet. Uh, thanks again for listening to today's broadcast, and thanks to those who have chatted with us in our uh, in our really fun chat room. Sometimes there's more going on there <laughs> than, than you would imagine. Don't forget to tell your friends about Dialogue. We really hope to serve you, our listeners, and our guests. So until next week, this is Joshua Graham with Susan Wingate for Dialogue Between the Lines, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.